thrilled to share with you somebody who I recently met who has cracked the code on what it takes to be really effective in medical sales by dealing with what is between our ears first. She is a mental performance coach, and I'm so excited to introduce you to her as well. Today, I have Danielle Kanegi with me, and I would love it if you'd take a minute to just introduce yourself and tell us what you are up to. Yes. Hi. Thank you so much, Claire, for having me on here. My name is Danielle Kanegi, and like you said, I am the mental performance coach. I am so excited to have a chat with you today about what I do. Um, but to start off with, I got my bachelor's in psychology from the University of Washington. I fell in love with psychology, and I loved sports, so I decided why not put them together. So I went and got my master's from John F. Kennedy University, which is down in California, and I got my master's in sports psychology. And ever since, I became a mental performance coach, and I've been working with so many amazing people. I am up in Spokane right now, um, but I've had the opportunity to meet with athletes and businesses that are all around the country, and I also have a couple clients that are abroad and over in Europe, so it's been super cool. Um, the biggest part of what I do is my job is to just help people achieve their optimal performance by working on their mental health and using an incredibly huge bank of skills. I'm basically building a toolbox of skills for you to use so that your mentality going into every performance is at a top-notch level. Um, but besides that, when I'm not there, I mean, I'm just – I love a big body of water. I'm always swimming or going boating. And my dog loves it as well, my fiance. So we're big outside people if I'm not inside with mental performance. That's awesome. I love that. Well, first of all, thank you so, so much for being here. And second, I mean, as a Pacific Northwesterner, I know we love to get outside, right? That is so great. Yes. Um, we recently just discovered Priest Lake up north, and it's absolutely incredible. So there's, yes. there's just no lack for fun things to do up here. But, uh, you know, uh, for everybody listening here um, and watching, so Danielle and I first met because I was in a bad way with my lower back, and I went to her clinic where she works, which is called Built to Move. It's right here in Spokane, Washington, and they basically helped me walk again, which was amazing. But when Danielle and I first started talking, she was not just stopping at the, you know, the physical nature of chiropractic. I noticed that she was into sports psychology, and for everybody listening, especially if you're in medical sales, you already know that it's half of the things that you learn about sales that make you great at what you do. But the other half, and many would argue more, is the mindset that you have when you're going in to do that. So take me, take me back a little bit, Danielle, when you very mm -hmm. first realized that you wanted to start pairing sports and your psychology major? Was it because you were playing sports and then you thought, wait a minute, I think I could maximize my own performance? Or is this something that you learned in school and, and it, like the light bulb went on and you thought, oh, I can definitely apply this. So talk us through a little bit about how you made the connection. Absolutely. So 
Um, while I played sports and I was an athlete when I was younger in college, I went to college to go to college and have a good time. Yeah. Um, I played recreational sports, but nothing serious. Um, but I would say it definitely happened in the classroom. I knew that I wanted to be in some kind of sports field. Um, and it just happened that psychology was going really well and I was having a blast in these classes. And I ended up taking an undergrad sports psychology class from Dr. Small. He is one of the most incredible people. He is retired now, but he was what made the connection for me. And it was such an intense class, but if you took it seriously, it, it was just incredible. And so I ran with that. And then I ended up taking one of his graduate classes after that. And from there, I was like, this is, this is it. And I just had this light bulb that, you know, it, while it's called sports psychology, this could go so much farther than just athletes. And I think that's where it came to play as well as it really helped me in my own education, using those skills, using what I learned on the mental side of things. Yeah. And I think that, you know, especially in the last two, three years with everything going on and the market fluctuations and career fluctuations, I think everyone is just a little bit more in tune, if not very in tune with the fact that mental health really needs to be a priority. And, um, you know, like it or not, we've all been dramatically affected in some way or another. And so I think it's really brought to light that you have to take care of your mental health or something is going to give, right? Something's got to give. So absolutely. let's talk a little bit about, because I know you probably see a lot of these folks, but, you know, how can somebody recognize when maybe their mental health needs a little bit of a tune-up? What are some of the signs they can be looking for when they're feeling a little bit off or they're not performing like they were? What do people feel and see and, and what are they going through that would maybe earmark that this needs to be worked on? I think, you know, in my field, everybody individually is so different. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the biggest tall tale <clears throat> signs is they get very negative with themselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're performing well and you're achieving all of these things, we're in a positive, happy mindset. We don't have a lot that we want to tear ourselves down on. But the minute we start doing a little bit less well or we're struggling in different parts of our performances, we get negative. Yeah. You know, we start to question ourselves. That's a huge thing. But the negative self-talk, the way that we tear ourselves down, we are so good at doing that. Yeah. Um, I think that almost for every individual is a huge tall tale sign, no matter the performance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you start that negative self-talk, what, what do you walk your patients through? You know, you, cause I know, and specifically for women, we are really good at beating ourselves up. I mean, it doesn't matter men and women, of course, but for some reason, I feel like we're experts at this. And sometimes we're yeah. doing it without even realizing it. In fact, I was reading a yeah. book the other day that said that we, we implement self, negative self-talk in our day-to-day, -day, and it occupies like 30% of what we think. Which is like like every third yeah. thought is us dumping on ourselves. So clearly that's 100%. something that we need to you know change if we want to move forward. Um, so what is the first step for somebody who's like, okay, I'm starting to really beat myself up. I've got all these negative thoughts. What do they do next? So the next part is the awareness piece. Mm -hmm. You can't, you know, work on yourself if you don't stop and realize what's going on. You know, that negative self-talk can lead to a lack of confidence, a lack of motivation. Um, resiliency is down. You, when you start to realize all these things, that's great, and that's where we need to take that first step. But that first step is 
doing the awareness piece, which comes with many different things. Um, I would say specifically for self-talk, I like to give all my clients a self-talk log. Um, while it's homework, I try to not say it's homework. <laughs> it's that awareness piece. You know, we got to do it to get somewhere. Um, but being able to write down those things, that's a great a, a great tactical skill to have to be able to write down, hey, I had a negative self-talk. And then you can start to pick out the themes. You know, when are we having all this self-talk? Is it around a certain performance, a certain time, and all that kind of stuff? So awareness piece, best next step. Okay. And, you know, when someone does become aware, because I think if mm-hmm. if you're listening, if you have become aware of negative self-talk, I don't know about you, but it, it surprises me because I start to think, okay, yeah. well, I don't talk to my kids this way. I don't talk to my friends or my peers this way. Like, why, right. why do I suddenly feel like I am just the biggest waste of space in the world? Right. And we know mm-hmm. it's not true, but breaking yeah. that cycle is so important. So, okay. So number one, you have to get aware. And I love that you do a log because mm-hmm. I think sometimes when we get things in writing, that's when we can really start to get them out of our mind and give ourselves a little bit of headspace and a little bit of peace. So what's the next step that somebody might take if then they've become aware? Now, what do they do? So the next part would be kind of jumping into the skills, right? Self-talk is a skill in itself, Mm -hmm. but being able to break down self-talk, starting out with, uh, okay, we have the awareness of when, where, and what, but like you said, the why. People ask themselves, well, I know this is not true. Why is this happening? You know, why, why, why? We're going to sit there and we're going to talk that out. We're going to hash it out. I'm going to ask questions about your future and your present and how, you know, times have changed in your performances and that kind of thing. So drawing that into that awareness piece, but then moving forward and learning about self-talk. So what's wild is there's so many different parts of self-talk and I'll just briefly give you two of them, but I use a certain skill within self-talk that's called countering versus reframing and countering is basically taking a negative self-talk and refuting that with reasons, facts, or beliefs. So, you know, if you say something negative to yourself and then you're like, well, why did I think that? Well, let's pull out the reasons and facts on why that's not true. And then you start to become a lot more aware and you're like, oh, yeah, I am saying these awful things to myself or whatever it is, but there's facts and reasons behind it that will lead us to the positive self-talk. Oh, so interesting. And so do you feel like when – you're, you know, looking at the different ways that self-talk can crop up for us. Do you feel like mm-hmm. most of that come, like, are there any patterns? Do they come from, you know, times when we tend to compare ourselves to others? Do they come from, you know, past failures? Do they come from fear of the future? Where do you see most self-talk coming from? One, if you are in a performance and it's not just a single individual performance, it's against someone, it's with someone, you are comparing. Mm. Um, And when they're doing better and you're not, boom, you're attacking Mm. yourself. You're being negative with yourself. Um, I would say that's a huge one. And I think the fear, just fear of failure, not even future, past, present, it's that fear of failure. None of us want to fail. And when we start to potentially go down that road or feel like we're going that way, the fear just overrides and it just completely blinds you and blinds your mind. There are a lot of different pharmaceuticals and devices and, you know, um, diagnostic tests that compete with each other in some, you know, version or form to treat the same thing. So it's a very competitive industry um, where I think sometimes I see and I know I've done this in my own career 
you know, for example, back when I was selling radiology and imaging, we had a very, you know, big competitor in Sacramento, you know, just down the street. And we, it was constant comparison. And it wasn't necessarily that I felt I was doing a poor job, but I think purely because I hadn't come around to the idea of, okay, we're all in the same boat. We're all just doing our, you know, jobs the best that we can. We're all trying to get in with the same positions and let them make the choice. I beat myself up all the time, just purely because my competitor was 100%. The door, right? So silly. Yeah. So silly looking back. But we get trapped in it before we even notice, right? Exactly. And that's what you're saying, like, right as they walk in the door, right? You haven't even done Mm -hmm. your pitch or, you know, whatever it might be. You're already, you know, less confident, um, potentially a little less motivated, and you're just jumbled. Sometimes, you know, when we lose our core skills in our minds and in our mindset, we're kind of done for. We stumble over our words. We can't rebound. We don't know how to almost contradict what our competition is right. saying, that kind of stuff. That's right. huge. Well, then, you know, the the ripple effect then, right, is then you look mm-hmm. unconfident in front of your customer. And specifically in this industry, I was just talking to somebody this morning. They said, sales is sales wherever you're at. And I said, yes, except for medical sales. <laughs> in front of that oncologist, and you're, un- you're not confident in what you're sharing. I mean, how can they be confident in what you're selling? Right. So um, let's talk a little 100%. bit. You were talking about the countering to these negative thoughts mm-hmm. that we have. But you said there was a second one. What was the second one? It's called okay. reframing. Um, it is very, very similar to countering. But some other some people like to use it and some people like mm-hmm. to use countering. So reframing is basically taking a different perspective. So taking that negative and going to the positive almost immediately. So saying the grass is greener on the other side, Um, not using as many reasons or as many beliefs, but just switching to a completely different perspective. Do you feel like people find this one harder to do than the first one? Okay. Why is that? I feel, yes, definitely. I feel, and it's kind of almost hard to explain because it's so individual, but I think that reframing can take the aspect of you have to have an optimistic mindset. And if you're coming in and you're so negative, you're so down on yourself, you don't even know where to begin on the self-talk, it will be a little bit harder to find that optimistic mindset. And so I think that reframing falls into that category of you got to almost have a little bit of positive on the other side to be able to refute that. So do you feel like these are habits that people have to start to create or are they um, like are they habits or are they tools? Do you know what I mean? I just learned. Um, I just read this great yeah. book. It's not new, but it's really awesome. It's called um, uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. I had to think for a minute. I was like, which book? Oh. And um, what I loved about <laughs> it was he talked about how behavior change really stems from the habits we make, and also the environment that we put ourselves in. So, like, when you were talking about, you know, naturally people can reframe a little better when they have that positive mindset. So are there ways mm-hmm. that you help your, um, you know, the folks that come to work with you um, for this mental toughness? Are there ways that you help them mm-hmm. so that when they're in the moment they have these tools, but they're setting themselves up for success with their environment or their habits so they, it happens less often. A hundred percent. Yes. The having 
everything around you, right? Especially with you talking about medical sales and being in that competitive environment, finding those little things that are positive. And I think that's a big thing is when we're in the moment, we're in the moment. If you see your competitor come in, instead of going negative on yourself, find that positive. Well, you know, I'm wearing a blue shirt today and I'm confident in my shirt, you know, make, pull it back to yourself and keep it positive, you know, or finding those little positives or setting yourself up in an area where you're comfortable and you know this and you got this and you can use those reasons again in that countering to pull it back to yourself and less on the person walking in and the person yeah, standing next to you. I love it. You know, I think that everyone is drawn to what they do in their career because for some, in some way they're kind of made for it. You know, like it's either been a situation in their past or they just have a a special spark or personality trait that kind of predisposes them to the job that they're in. So I want to know from you, like, what was it about you or your past or maybe, you know, your uh, kind of your natural way of being that drew you to this craft? I bounce Mm -hmm. it back to my parents. My parents um, raised me in such a great way, but not just how they raised me. It's what I watched them do. My parents were very giving and my, I just, I was so listened to. I always felt heard. Um, You know, if I did something wrong, I needed to listen to them. And then they also got to take my perspective. And, you know, if, if something was going on, I was, I could just talk and I could say whatever. And I felt very heard. And I learned that growing up, and I watched them do that to every single person that we were ever with, whether they were in our family, someone we didn't know, whoever it was. Um, And no one in my close-knit family is in this profession. Um, So just watching them do that and get that influence, I think, really led me down the road to be able to really listen to someone and take in what they're saying and help them with everything, but really make sure they feel heard. And I think that is one of the biggest things is sometimes we just have to talk to talk and we really need someone to just listen and take it in for us and let us release that. And I just, I don't, I, I just found my passion in that. And yeah, I would say big. Oh, I love that. That's so awesome. Okay. So, so let's dive Mm -hmm. into that listening just a little bit more. I remember when I very first set foot and built to move and it was from when I walked in the door at your front desk to meeting you when I was rounding the corner to going to the Jelena, who is my chiropractor. You guys have to check out built to move. If you're listening in Spokane area, just go. You'll thank me later. But the thing is every (laughs) single step I was listened to. And I think sometimes even when we, te- when we tend to talk a lot, when we tend to talk for a living as a coach or a provider, the things that we say are, you know, valid, but sometimes it takes people like you who hear what we say, but hear what we're really saying. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the mm-hmm. meaning behind the words oh, yeah. we actually share to, to really dig to what's going on at a deeper level. So when... Do you see this with your patients? Like you see, you know, they they come into you with one problem that they think they have, right? Or they say that they know, and then you Mm -hmm. have to be sort of the investigator Mm -hmm. in the investigator role. Oh yeah. That is a huge part of what I do, you know, Mm -hmm. digging into that awareness, especially. Um, But yeah, I always have a notepad and a pencil that's somewhat considered old school now because we have this incredible technology. (laughs) I could take notes anywhere. Um, But I am an old school, I keep it to the pen and the paper. And instead of writing, you know, every single thing that you're saying, I write down the little stuff, because the little stuff is where I can dig. And I can because you we talk, we talk, we talk. 
And then that's my opportunity to say, hey, I hear you. I hear this big problem, but you said this, and I think this is where we're going to kind of dig in today and talk about. And it's always like, oh, wow, I never you know, thought about that, or I didn't even hear myself say that, just like that negative self-talk we were talking about. You just oh, don't hear yourself say those things. Let's talk mm-hmm. about what having a positive mental toughness can bring about, right? So, so once you do recognize negative self-talk, you work on it, you develop these positive habits using the methods that you mentioned, you're reframing, you're doing all these things, mm-hmm. what kind of opportunity lies ahead? What kind of strength does that breed for somebody who then starts to practice this in a positive way? Like, what are some of the positive outcomes you see from your patients who come in and they're downtrodden and they're stressed out and they don't, they don't even understand what their own issue is. They need you. And then you see that transformation. What yeah. lies ahead for them when they get it together? I mean, just right off the bat, so many amazing things. I, I get so excited when I watch them go down that transformation. But I would say one of the biggest things is having that confidence and having that motivation to continue on. You know, there are people who get almost to – there's never an end, right? But they get to that point where – you know, we've done a lot of work and now we're just going to meet for sustainability and they just come in with their head, head held so high and they're just so motivated. You know, what else can I do? And, you know, can I go farther with this? Am I mastering this skill? All those things. But you're also finding that resiliency and you're finding that resiliency within the tools and yourself. And that's the biggest thing. You are mm-hmm. giving back to yourself and pushing yourself. So I would say that's the that's the most exciting thing to look forward to and something that I've noticed so far with a bunch of my people. And I just I yeah, it's a great thing. But confidence is a huge one. Just being able to like hold your chin up and know that you can go into pretty much any situation and find the positive or be kind to yourself yeah. and push yourself through that. Yeah. Say we're speaking to yeah. a um, I'm going to I'm going to pull out a company that I know loves to hire uh, sports-minded and athletes, you know, previous athletes and current athletes. Let's talk about Stryker. Say we're talking to somebody who works for Stryker, right, and they are on a team, okay. and they have to help motivate the team, right? So the team has a lot of negative self-talk. The numbers mm-hmm. aren't the way that they had hoped, you know, but this person has to go in and put on their, you know, Danielle Kaneki like, you know, persona and reach them. Um, what advice yeah. <laughs> would you give for that person who's trying to motivate a team so that they can proceed with confidence and regain that spirit, that camaraderie that they had before? First of all, that leader should really have a good idea mm-hmm. of what their self-efficacy is, which is a kind of a part of that confidence that we have. Um, but being able to go in there and know what makes them motivated, how they've stayed motivated. And then I think the biggest part would be share your experiences, share your super positive experiences, share your neutral experiences and share the hard experiences. But instead of making it such a negative experience or, oh, I went through this and this and this say, you know, this was what happened and this is how I bounced back from it. So I think that being the leader, you want to have your own sense of motivation and confidence, but then work your team through it in a positive and neutral way the entire time versus this negative thing happened. This is so bad. You know, don't go down that road, stay motivated, stay confident yourself, and then help share your experiences 
Tell us if we would like to find out more about you and connect with you. What is the best way that people can do that? On LinkedIn, I'm on there, Danielle Kanegi. I'm sure it'll be spelled out on this <laughs> podcast so you can spell my last name. Um, props to Claire for getting it right the first time she said it, so that's exciting. Uh, so LinkedIn is great, and then we also have a site, uh, a website with Built to Move. It has been so nice chatting with you. I know selfishly yeah. I get to see you guys all the time as I do come in for my routine appointments. For my chiropractor, thank you, thank you, Built to Move. But truly, yes. like, I, I was immediately drawn to you and your positivity when I came into the clinic. And once I found out that you help people access better mental performance, I just had to have you on. If you are in medical sales and listening or watching this show right now, you know how important it is to take care of your mental health and your, you know, your spirit, right, your confidence. So if you want to find ways to access that, Go follow Danielle on LinkedIn or check her out at Build to Move right here in Spokane. And thank you, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here. Thank you, everybody, for watching. And until next time, have a great day.